The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Vivian Gaspar. She is the author of uh, the Stop My Crisis books. Uh, one of them is called Stop My Crisis, Facing Life's Challenges Head-On, and the other one is called Be the One in Five, The Business Owners and Sales Professionals' Guide to Success. Welcome to the show, Vivian. Hello. How are you today? Let's just start with your background and, and how it is you uh, got to write these books on uh, stopping people's financial crises. Well, I was very fortunate to be able to work very closely with an attorney who specializes in mortgage modification and stopping foreclosures directly with foreclosure mediation. And we've been working together now since the latter part of 2008. And we've helped literally just over 300 families in that period of time. And what I would do is educate the public uh, through public speaking engagements uh, in conjunction with the Department of Labor, as well as civic organizations and corporations and places like uh, the Salvation Army and a lot of other organizations. And if someone had an interest and wanted to work with the attorney, what I would then do is go to the person's home, sit with them, and not just fill out applications and help them with the actual paperwork, but I was there for between three to five hours at a time per family to work with them comprehensively with their entire situation as to what got them to needing help because they were facing the potential or immediate foreclosure. So I guess you see that a lot of people are in various kinds of financial crises. So what kind of gave the idea to have one book with all the different financial crises solved in one place? Well, um, several times when giving these uh, speaking engagements, People just kept approaching me, asking me to put together a book, and obviously they had a mind regarding the topic I was speaking on. And But having owned a business before specifically for a marketing and a marketing consulting company, I knew that if I was going to take my own time, money, energy, and effort to do something, I wanted it to have the widest base approach on solving the problems and the issues that brought people to this place and time not just the actual situation, but so instead of having a Band-Aid, what can you do to solve the whole approach, not just one aspect, which is the foreclosure that they were facing. But I saw that when I sat in so many people's homes and speaking with them for hours at a time, there was many different things that brought them to where they were. And so uh, the whole project just blossomed, and I brought together a total between these two books 45 experts on 52 topics. So how do most people approach crises that it's the wrong way? We're going to get into the details of the different kinds, but as an overall effect here, how is it that people approach crises that they're doing it the wrong way and you're teaching them the right way to do it? Well, uh, I know this is going to sound very simplified, but what I unfortunately noticed is people obviously don't like facing really sad um, situations and very scary th- places in life that they were. So, unfortunately, you know, it was the ha- uh, the, their head in the sand and waiting till things were just too late because they weren't nipping things in the bud. And I know that sounds very simplistic, but I've seen it, like I said, hundreds of times. And people forget that if you end up losing your home, it doesn't just affect the husband or the husband and wife or whatever, the couple. More times than not, obviously, an average family is a family. There's children involved. So if uh, someone loses their home, they can't always rent an apartment in the same town. It just doesn't always work out that way. So if the the children are then uprooted and need to move to another area, that obviously is a severe mental hardship for everybody. It's not just the stress of going through the situation, but obviously living in a strained household affects the kids. You know, if they uh, 
you know, not just the end result of having to leave, uh, their friends, maybe uh, um, maybe curricular activities, their school systems like Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, you know, their, uh, everything that they become embedded into, and it really traumatizes the family. And I've seen, unfortunately, physical uh, effects of stress like that. I mean, I walk into a family's house, and I remember clearly there's been more than a few situations where not just maybe the wife or the woman of the house, but even men, they would just break down crying. They were having physical problems uh, because of the stress. And that's why I became so passionate about doing what I could to help people because I know that, obviously, it's just a huge snowball that occurs. It's not just one or two or three things, but losing someone's health, affecting their family and their health, I mean, this is as big as it gets with affecting the American public. So helping 300 families is in essence helping well over a thousand people when you count the children and how it affects their lives. Very much so. All right, we're going to start getting into There's a lot of different topics we're going to cover briefly. The books, obviously, get into more detail. Uh, the website to find out more about this is stopmycrisis.com, about the books. But we're going to just give, give us a sampling of the different topics you're covering, Vivian. So the first one is ID theft protection and credit score basics. So what are some of the things people should know about to protect themselves and recover from ID theft? Well, uh, first of all, a lot of people, as you know, this is really a growing problem. Uh, police are not able to keep, keep up with it. They're used to the typical, someone breaks into a house. Uh, but that is unfortunately becoming the minority of a crime against someone. Nowadays, the identity theft, and we have all heard about it, there's a few easy things that someone could do to prevent it. You know, once you're in the middle of it, then it's much more difficult. So first of all, everybody listening to this show should keep very simple two things in mind. Whether you rent or own your home, any type of policy, whether it's a homeowner's insurance policy or renter's policy, has a rider available to protect against identity theft, and you should look into it immediately. It's extremely inexpensive, and it makes surviving a victimization of this much, much more easy to handle because it takes months, if not years, to recover from it. But if you have that protection available, and basically all major insurance carriers offer it, take a look at it immediately to, to opting for that coverage. That's number one. Number two, and I do this for myself, for over 12 years now, I do not get my mail at home. What do I do? I have a UPS store address. Simply put, Anybody who has the tendency to be, a, you know, the bad guy, the person who wants to steal your identity or to get to you, all they have to do is do the reverse lookup if they knew your phone number. And nowadays, think about it, everywhere you shop, you, they want you to have those frequent buyer cards. And a lot of people, instead of taking out the card, they say, oh, just look it up through my phone number. So think about all the people who stand around you in the stores, whether it's a supermarket or, you know, the bookstore or wherever it is. They all offer these cards, and they say, oh, here's my phone number. Look it up. Well, guess what? Now, anybody around you who might have ill intent hears it. They remember it, or they write it down. They go online. They now have your access to where do you live at home. And if they can find out what your name is, it doesn't take a lot to do identity test to someone. So what you might want to consider is doing what I do. Invest in a UPS store address because it gives you a physical address instead of a P.O. box. And uh, my odds are you probably live very close to one. And if you have all your mail, especially where your phone bill gets sent to, whether it's your home phone, your cell phone, and obviously your banking statement, it's now a secure location and makes the identity theft much, much more difficult to have happen against you for a lousy maybe $10, $12, $13 a month, something in that neighborhood. What do you think about services like a LifeLock or something that's supposed to protect you against identity theft? Is that a good way to do it? It helps. Absolutely not uh, You know, putting that service down. It definitely helps, but obviously not that many people take advantage of it. What I'm, these two suggestions I'm saying really cuts down tremendously, well, in one case, the UPS store address, you know, getting your mail someplace other than your home, and the other of simply taking the insurance policy rider for your homeowner's insurance or your renter's insurance, that is one of the single best moves anyone can make, literally. You're saying in, addition, 
in addition to those things that you should shred documents? I mean, isn't a lot of the online ID theft being done not having to do with physical documents these days? That's correct. But think about it if you're, uh, you know, like I said, if you're not getting mail at home, that's a big one. But shredding definitely helps. But I mentioned the other two first simply because uh, hopefully by now most people have heard about needing to shred. It's all over the place. People talk about it. You have services that provide it if you don't want to do it yourself. But, if it, you know, that is something that's more commonly known, so that's why I didn't mention that first. I tried to mention things that people don't normally think of as uh, common information. And then you talk about credit. One of the first things that gets hurt when you are hit by ID theft is your credit score goes down. You're saying a lot of people don't realize the impact of that and how hard it is to get your credit score back up if you've been hit by ID theft. What can you do about that? Well, first and foremost, uh, people don't realize that whether they, you know, credit is no longer a luxury to keep and maintain doing uh, the, you know, the right thing of knowing what the details are on a regular basis. People talk about it, but a lot of people still are in the dark and don't know that it can affect your ability to have a job. If you're out there looking for work, unfortunately, a lot of the companies nowadays are asking permission to run your credit, and then they're forming character uh, assessments based upon your credit history. It's very unfortunate, but when they see so many people applying for the same job, they just use that as additional criteria. So not only, you know, it, does it impact your ability to get a mortgage or buy a car, the typical things, but now if you it's a catch-22. Well, how is it? It's much more difficult to pay your bills when you're out of work, considering how long someone could be out of work nowadays. But now it's a catch-22 is if you don't have good credit or they see that you're not paying your bills, they use it as a criteria to give you a job. So unfortunately, it just becomes much more necessary to be more vigilant. So I highly recommend that someone, there's several um, agencies that help restore credit if there are issues. As a matter of fact, I work with one closely. So, um, you know, again, people after the show on my website, there's also my contact information if people need more information because obviously we want to cover numerous topics today. So I just wanted to touch a little bit on everything. Another topic you talk about is debt settlement. This is where you settle with a particular credit card company. You're not paying back the full amount. So you recommend that people do that, although that that will also hurt your credit if you do that too. It will, but at least it would be avoiding bankruptcy. So I don't want people to think that the most people still only think that the only option they have when they get into major credit card debt is bankruptcy. Well, yes, both things will hurt your credit, but bankruptcy stays on your credit for uh, seven to ten years and only comes off after ten years. Now, yes, you can get a mortgage if your bankruptcy is discharged for after three, depends on what kind of mortgage, between three to five years. But if you can avoid doing a bankruptcy, you should. So now if you've been struggling keeping up with major credit card debt, you know, you should at least entertain or look at the option of settling your debt if you can barely keep up with the minimum interest payment. So I just wanted to bring that out as another option to avoid bankruptcy, where in this book I also educate on bankruptcy laws and that it's federal and what it takes to qualify and don't jump too soon, but who it's appropriate for. And remember, it's a tool. It no longer has the enormous negative stigma that it had many years ago. But that being said, don't jump in too quickly. Take a look at the concept of settling the debt, which is also known as an offer and compromise, but also understanding that you may have tax ramifications. In other words, let's say you have a $20,000 credit card debt and the company decides to settle it with you for, let's say, hypothetically, 5000 Yes, that can be done, and it's done frequently. But be careful and understand this, and this is why it might be advantageous to speak to a lawyer regarding this, simply because if you don't handle that negotiation appropriately, that $15,000 forgiven debt could be, it's possible, charged to you on your taxes. They might issue you a 1099 as if you earned that as earned income. So that $15,000 forgiven, you can be taxed on it as if you earned it. So just be careful and don't jump to signing something and saying, oh, look, free money, as in you don't have to pay it back. But you need to be cognizant that that could be charged to you as a 1099 or income. That surprises a lot of people when they do debt settlement. You're right. Okay. We're going to take a break. You don't want to be caught with. 
That's for sure. We're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Vivian Gaspar. Uh, she's put out two books called Stop My Crisis, one called Facing Life's Challenges Head-On, and the other called Be the One in Five, which is about uh, business owners. Uh, her website is stopmycrisis.com. We'll be back after this. Always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Business owners, do you run your business or does your business run you? Put yourself on the road to success by tuning in to Success Unchained with hosts Anthony and Julie McGloin. At last, discover how to overcome your biggest challenges, take control of your business, and achieve the results you've always dreamed of. Find out how with our resident master business coach and world-class guest experts. Transform the nine key areas of your business and unchain your true potential. Tune in Mondays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. If you want to know about investing in emerging and frontier markets, or if you have experience in this field but still need to know more, tune in to Emerging and Frontier Markets Investing with Gavin Graham. Gavin explores news, current trends, and insights about both categories of investing. His guest experts, along with his own knowledge, will help you stay above the line when it comes to growth potential, whether in funds or equities. He will look at what to invest in and avoid. Tune in to Emerging and Frontier Markets Investing with Gavin Graham every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Vivian Gaspar. Uh, She's the author of two books called Stop My Crisis. The one we're talking about at the moment is called Facing Life's Challenges Head-On. Welcome back to the show, Vivian. Hi, how are you doing? And you have a whole section here on recruiting and getting a job. Since you were a recruiter, just give us a brief idea of some of the ideas about how to get yourself in front of the right recruiter and uh, being the one who gets the job. Well, first and foremost, working with the correct recruiter for your industry is really, really important. So the first suggestion I have is maybe you know somebody else who has either recently gotten a job uh, or even when I say recently, it's the last couple of years, ask them if they know a recruiter or who helped them. Obviously, always try to work through a referral if it's ever possible and find out why. What did they like about working with that person? Because don't forget, let's say you're a secretary, for example. Well, if their recruiter is specializing in administrative assistance, they're going to have 50 or 100 or more people doing exactly what you do or very close to it, whether you're an accountant, a secretary, whatever you happen to be doing, you're not the only one they work with. So the most important thing is open your mouth and ask them, what can I do to stand out to you to, to work with you and make sure that you choose me to represent to your client when you have an opening. Because believe it or not, uh, people don't think of doing that. And I've actually been a recruiter several times in my career. And that is a question I got extremely rarely from any of my applicants. So that is very important to stop and think about, and that's why I cover that as a chapter in my book. So how do you stand out to your recruiter? Very good. We're going to move on. You have a chapter on direct marketing, uh, which is commonly called multi-level or network marketing. A lot of people might have some illusions about that, some negative or positive views of it. How could you be successful at multi-level marketing that you describe in this chapter? Well, first of all, the most important thing to remember is that they are recruiting you because almost all of them have a registration fee to sign up to work with them. And keep in mind that you're registering to work under someone, so it's called 
typically speaking in the industry, it's called having an upline, the person you sign up underneath you. So the person is actually making a commission or an override, however you want to know the terminology is per the organization. And there's so many that you might not realize. And again, there's nothing negative about doing this, just people need to really understand. So companies even like Mary Kay, Pampered Chef, Avon, Tastefully Simple, you know, I go on to list many of these, and obviously people know about Amway. Uh, they're all different types of multi-man marketing, and it's very effective, and you can make a good independent income with it. You just need to get the education understand that a lot of times they want you to recruit others where that's where you make the most money. And so just be aware that you need to be a recruiter, not just selling the item, and so when you research how you make the money, check on that. See, where is it that you're making your money? Is it by selling the products? And do you believe in the products? Are they good quality products? Do the research. Speak to others, not just the top performers. So you're saying if you're not a recruiting type, that you shouldn't do MLM even if you like the product or service? It's much more difficult. And I am actually saying that because it is much more difficult to make money if you're only selling product. The entire enticement of multi-level marketing or direct marketing is another way to say it is simply by recruiting to have people under you that they report to you and that you're training a team because that's where you make your residuals, your overrides and your steady cash flow. And that's where they want you to focus because the person you report to, that means that's how they're making their money. And that's how the organization makes it because they have sign-up fees. So just be aware of these things. And, again, that's why I cover this chapter in the book. Then you have a chapter on how anyone can make money from home. How can you tell what is a legitimate home-based business versus one that's not going to work for people? Well, ready for this? How about create your own? That way you are absolutely sure that it's nothing that you have to question. And what do I mean by that? Well, obviously economies and cost of living are different in different parts of the country, correct? I mean, for example, uh, a worker in New Mexico or Missouri, uh, you know, it depends on where, but generally speaking, anyone in northern New Jersey and New York City is going to be making much more money than someone in New Mexico, for example, right? You know, cost of living difference. Well, how would you like to be the person in New Mexico making the money as if you were living in New York? You can do that. There's actually an array of different types of occupations that you can easily do without turning it into a bigger business and have to worry about running it as a business. And that's what I really mentioned in this chapter of how to get uh, income from a higher level area than where you live currently. For example... What about small event planning? It might sound simple, but if you're doing the legwork for someone and specifically cater it to busy professionals, when I say legwork, I'm not talking about planning a wedding or a corporate event. How about keeping it simple and helping someone plan a Sweet 16 or a Barbat Mitzvah? An average, you know, middle-class family doesn't usually have the time for something like that. And the same concept with helping someone do um, cold calling or seminar seat filling. In other words, it might sound telemarketing doesn't sound glamorous, but guess what? If you're willing to do the work, other people aren't, they pay very well. What do I mean by very well? It is not difficult to approach someone who does sales. If you take away that responsibility for them, they will easily pay anywhere between 20 and 45 an hour. I also owned a telemarketing company, and I did this a very long time. Trust me on this. Just look through Monster or even Craigslist and look for openings and sales in other parts of the country that are higher paying, and you can find that opportunity. You just pitch to them. Again, these chapters are covered in this book on exactly how to do that in addition to how to do telemarketing itself. And again, many more ideas on it to start your own business without making it a real business. Great. All right, you have some chapters on divorce, uh, as you say, uh, how, what to do when you tell your spouse you're out of here and also working with divorce mediators. What are some simple things people need to know? It's obviously a longer chapter, but some of the misconceptions people have about going through divorce and saving money and making it as painless as possible. Well, whether you're the what I call victim of it, in other words, if it catches you unaware, where unfortunately you might want to, you know, people would like to think that they could amicably get divorced, but we all know, unfortunately, that rarely happens. And even if you're the person seeking to get divorced or you're the one who's wanting to leave, 
not the one you know, being left upon, you should still think about some very important aspects. Like, for example, who? what's the old joke that the lawyer is actually the one who profits the most from a divorce? Well, if you think logically with your spouse and say, look, we don't want to be married anymore, fine, regardless of whose idea it is to want to leave, but why don't we just be smart about it, find out what the guidelines are, and do the least amount possible with attorneys. And by the way, you actually don't need attorneys to get divorced. You could do the entire process without paying a penny to the attorney. Just look up guidelines on the Internet. You could logically follow that. And obviously, the less assets you have as a couple, the easier it is to do a self-divorce. And if you can't be amicable enough to do a complete self-divorce without attorneys, you can easily minimize attorney's fees by going to a licensed mediator. So you think mediation can work? I'm sorry? You think a mediator can work for a lot of people who now use lawyers and, and run up big bills? Right. Well, and obviously, even if you need to have an attorney involved because let's say you have a decent amount of assets, maybe you own a vacation home plus your home and you want to make sure you're protective of your assets, that's fine. But we all know that attorneys charge per hour and the more fighting you do, the more the attorneys need to get involved. Therefore, it, you're giving, you're both giving because obviously you have the defendant and the plaintiff in a divorce. Therefore, you both lose if you're both paying the attorneys more money. More fighting equals more money to attorneys. Save your money, reinvest it to yourselves, plan for your futures separately, and or obviously if there's children involved, use the money for the children, not for the attorneys. And that could be done by the suggestions in the books regarding the divorce as well as how to use a mediator to help you without making attorneys richer. Very good. You have a chapter also on surviving natural disasters. What are some of the brief things people should know? Because there's been a lot of floods and tornadoes and droughts and all kinds of things lately. Uh, it's, funny. it's funny that this uh, book and this chapter was actually written prior to the big event. I live in New Jersey, and we had to worry about uh, – I actually personally had 10 days without power heat in uh, November from Hurricane Sandy or Superstorm Sandy. So it's definitely very apropos, <laughs> very timely chapter. So, uh, you know, the whole thing about preparedness and uh, people – it might sound very simple – but first and foremost, really, truly understand your homeowner's or renter's policy. And most people, unfortunately, who rent don't have renter's policies. Go over it. Get one. They're actually very, very, very inexpensive to have, and it's worth it. Because if you rent, I mean, most people obviously understand a homeowner's. That's very obvious, and you actually have to have it if you have a mortgage. So almost everybody knows and has a homeowner's policy. But truly the best thing you could do to protect yourself and your family is, it sounds simple, but to make sure, since most people, if they don't live in a flood zone, they don't have flood insurance, well, see if maybe a form of flood insurance might be cost-effective to have. Really sit down and find an insurance broker who helps you with the form. And actually, uh, one of my authors who did this chapter, he doesn't even sell insurance. What he does is he's an individual consumer advocate when people need to actually file a claim for insurance, and that's why he wrote this chapter. He does not sell it. He helps people when they need to collect on it, and there's a huge difference, and that's why it's a preventative measure that needs to be really looked at carefully because everybody just wants to save their monthly premium. So you're and saying a lot of people are, are underinsured is what you're saying. Oh, uh, tremendously, in addition to not knowing the basics. Does everybody in the house know where to shut off the gas line, the water line? Something simple like that, and I bet you the answer is not always a yes. Ask 10 people and 10 families and make sure if everybody in the family, is, at least the adults, know how to shut off the gas and water and tell me if that's true. Some Indeed. very basic stuff, but it's not done. Very good. All right, we're gonna... Having you know, the proper you know, candles and batteries and all that stuff. Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Vivian Gaspar. Uh, she's written a book called Stop My Crisis, Facing Life's Challenges Head-On. Uh, her website to find out more about this and to get a copy of these books is stopmycrisis.com. We'll be back after this.
stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790, 866-472-5790, Voice America Business Network. In sales, are you a lion or a vulture? Lions don't wait. They just go for it. Vultures hang around until the lions are finished and just pick up the scraps. How can you set yourself apart as a lion? Join the other aspiring sales lions and listen to Forget Patience, Let's Sell Something with host Ty Maynard. You'll learn the tips and strategies of top sales professionals. You'll gain more clients at a faster rate and at higher margins. If you're a sales professional, business owner, or executive, listen in every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Is your business model robust enough? In today's ever-changing business environment, people are working to transform themselves, their futures, and their business. Tune in to Business Reinvention with your host, Nancy Lynn. To stay ahead of the game in business, you have to constantly reinvent yourself and your organization. With Nancy's experience and that of her guest experts, you'll learn from stories of inspiration, innovation, and forward thinking. Listen for Business Reinvention, live every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Business Channel. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Vivian Gaspar. Uh, she has written a book called Stop My Crisis, Facing Life's Challenges Head-On. And her website is stopmycrisis.com. Welcome back to the show, Vivian. Hi, nice to be here. Thank you. So we've covered a lot so far. We have a lot more to do here. You have a whole chapter on understanding mortgages and refinancing your mortgage. What are some of the things that people typically don't understand about uh, getting mortgages in the first place and refinancing them? Well, the first and foremost that I want people to know about right now is about the HARP program, the Home Affordability Refinance Protection Act. What that is is a government-sponsored program to help people who can't refinance simply for the one reason that they don't have enough equity for when values have fallen. And believe it or not, that affects a little over 25% of the population and I want people to know that there are options if their values have gone down. And just to let you know that it has to be owned currently by Fannie or Freddie, you know, the government mortgage backers. And you also cannot have had more than one mortgage late in the last 12 months. But that way you could still get out of, if your insure, if your interest rate currently is over four and a half to five percent, you, and you plan to stay in your home at least the next two years. And, of course, you should sit down with a local mortgage professional to discuss the details, but those are your general guidelines to recoup that expense of the closing cost. Then definitely look at refinancing if you, prior, if you didn't think you qualified because you thought you lost too much equity. And even if you owe more on your principal mortgage balance or your total mortgage balance than your value is, you should definitely look into it, and you're going to say, well, you don't make your payments to Fannie and Freddie, and even if you don't even know who Fannie and Freddie are, the way you find that out, because you do not make your payments to them, it could be made to, for example, Bank of America or Wells Fargo or whomever the mortgage company is. You won't know who truly owns the mortgage because they're servicing companies. Even the large banks could just be servicing the mortgage, and you don't know that. So you need to call whoever you make your payment to, and find out who truly owns your mortgage because on the back end, behind the scenes that you're not even aware of, your mortgage has been bought and sold and you wouldn't know the difference simply because you don't make the checkout to someone else different. It's still made out to the same company. For example, it could still be made out to Wells Fargo, Bank of America, your local mortgage company. It doesn't matter. 
So are things going pretty well as far as doing the HARP refinances? Is that it, it didn't get off to a particularly good start, but your, your sense is it's going better now as far as getting them right. through? Well, that's what they said. It's increased, but they are stopping it as of this moment of 2015. So in other words, you only have another roughly year and four or five months of it if they don't extend it again. And I really just wanted to bring this up and let people know about it because too many people think they don't have the option to get into these better interest rates that we've experienced the last couple of years. And so that's why I want to bring it up. And don't forget, a late mortgage payment is, desi- is uh, specifically after 30 days, not the 15 days where you get a late payment fee. It's only counted after 30 days. So if you owe the payment on the first of the month, you have to be into the next calendar month for it to be official late payment. So if you want to get a HARP um, uh, refinancing, does it make sense to pay your mortgage late after 30 days so you're able to qualify for it? No, no, no. It means you can't have more than one late. More than one, but if you're if you're completely on time, you can get it. I see. And if you have um, had more than one late, then you look into doing a modification, which is might be one of the next chapters coming up. (laughs) Right. So let's go to that. That is your next chapter, which is mortgage modification. So it's two different things, though. If you can refinance, you don't modify. You can only modify on different circumstances, but. On the topic of mortgages, that's the one thing I want to bring up is about HARP and Fannie Freddie and the fact that you need to be on time or no more than one late. So that's HARP. The other program is the HAMP program, which is the modification program. Right. Totally separate subject. So when is that appropriate for people? And is your sense that mortgage modifications are becoming easier to do? Because they were certainly difficult at the beginning. Very, very difficult. The banks are very reluctant to do it. And the synopsis on this topic, since, like I said, I've been doing this for many years, is simply put one thing to remember. Whether it's your bank of for many years or you just refinanced a couple years ago, very important. It is an adversarial relationship. Do not let whatever bank you have tell you differently. Remember, everybody's in the business to make money. You got a mortgage because your bank wanted to make mortgage uh, you know, interest off of you is profit. So therefore, if you're given a deal to pay, let's say hypothetically, $500 less a month, maybe $800, $1,000 less a month for X amount of years, that's less money that the bank is going to receive. So do you think they're jumping up and down to receive less profit? No. That's why it was extremely difficult to do. And the only reason they made it a little easier is because of government pressure. But this is not going to be available indefinitely. And if anybody was procrastinating and doing it because maybe it's tied, saying, oh, I, I don't want to renege on promises I made, even if it's to a bank, I promise to pay back this loan, do not liquidate a 401k savings. And this is a, probably the biggest mistake I've seen people in financial difficulty make in regards to saving their homes. What unfortunately I've seen from some of the major banks and I'm not going to name names, but banks' names, you would recognize some of the top five, six banks in the country, their representatives actually told people to liquidate or access 401k money to make sure they catch up with their arrears. What that representative did not tell them is that that liquidation would cause them to owe the IRS money because that's now taxable income. So never let anyone tell you to liquidate money from your 401k or retirement assets without first understanding that you'll be, you will be taxed on that. For example, a couple I was in their home, they, made, they first made $100,000 a few years back because they were selling cars and we all know what happened there. That income was reduced to about 60000 Well, they were about seven, eight months behind on their mortgage and a representative, and they kept calling in for help, and they weren't getting the help from their lender. That lender's representative actually told them to liquidate a $120,000 IRA, and they got severely penalized from the IRS when tax time came because that $130,000 or $120,000 then charged them as taxable income in addition to the $60,000 they were making. So think about it. Instead of being charged on $60,000 of income, it now looked as if they made almost almost $200,000 of income, and they are now dealing for several years now with the penalties of interest because they can't pay that IRS debt now. And on top of that, it would have been a ten. It would have been a ten percent penalty for early withdrawal on top of the income tax and as well. That's that right. Too, but I'm caring more about the IRS ramifications because ten percent is ten percent. 
In addition to that, until you can pay your IRS debt in full, each year they add more penalties and interest. Now, people need to be aware that I've actually seen lenders doing this, and we're talking some very large lenders. So yeah. the biggest mistake, please don't do that ever. Okay. Uh, well, obviously, there's more detail in the book. We can only do so much here. So you also have a chapter on uh, the foreclosure process and when it makes sense to do a short sale versus going through a foreclosure. Just briefly kind of tell us the pros and cons of those. Just to let you know, both of them will hurt your credit. First and foremost, understand nothing's a golden nugget. However, one hurts your credit longer than the other. And the reason you need to be very informed on the details of both is there is going to be pluses and minuses. For example, a foreclosure is going to stay on your credit longer, more adversely. However, be aware that the negative on a short sale, which is less damaging to your credit, however, there is a potential where you could again find yourself with that forgiven debt. Let's say, hypothetically, you owe, I don't know, I'm going to make this up, $200,000 on your house, but you're now only worth 150000 That $50,000 that you're asking the bank to forgive on a short sale, they could potentially 1099 you as taxable income, believe it or not, for that difference, for the short sale forgiveness just like we talked about earlier with the credit card settlement. So be aware of the pluses and uh, minuses or the negatives of both ones and aspects, the short sale versus foreclosure, and which is better in your situation. And this is why whenever you deal with legal situations regarding money at all, even if it's real estate, please speak to IRS and tax professionals so people don't get caught with that. I, I always feel the worst when people get ended up doing decision, making decisions that ramifications are multiplied whenever it ends up being in the IRS realm. Very good. You have a chapter on reverse mortgages. Uh, what are people? This is aimed at people 62 plus who want to get equity out of their homes and still own and live in their homes. What are some of the right. th- things that people do not realize about reverse mortgages? First and foremost, I'm tired of the negative stigma because of the way it used to be. People need to remember things change, things evolve, and it's much better now than it used to be. Get current information. And the most important thing, how it cannot be predatory any longer, by I don't care who the loan officer is, it can't be predatory because every single loan that's originated for a reverse mortgage, it's mandatory to have a third party by the Department of Housing and Urban Development, the HUD, you need to have a counselor. And they cannot even go for the reverse mortgage until this counselor has completely explained everything to them extremely carefully. And that counselor and that uh, session can be done even if you're not able to leave your home. So it's no longer a predatory situation. I don't care how bad people have heard it to be. It's changed. And to be open-minded, because why should anybody who's a senior citizen who may not have had the ability to save as much as maybe they should have, if they have a house of equity, Please tap into it instead of living a life of any type of suffering financially. That's now, I've heard I, there's some changes coming in that area where in the future they may have to have some kind of a credit check because some people have been taking out reverse mortgages and not have enough money to pay the underlying taxes and property insurance, and therefore they may have some kind of financial test going forward that they're not doing now. Is that what you've heard too? Well, you know what? Here's what I always say. If it's not in law yet – we can't do anything other than plan for the potential, and that's why always take out more than you, than you plan for right now and then lower the cost of living. For example, you know, if you have access to something, always take out more if you have access to it and then set it aside and, again, go to your tax professional because if that's the case, it's really looking to build in that cushion where, again, unfortunately, a lot of people don't look to build that cushion and if you have access to money, build in the cushion, and that would take care of that concern. Is it better in general to wait until later? Because the older you get, the more money you're going to be able to take out of that Absolutely, reverse mortgage. Absolutely, if they can. But, again, my concern is to alleviate anyone's suffering because I've literally seen situations where people who are over 62, 65, whatever the case may be, they're having difficulty finding jobs because of discrimination for age, whether it's illegal or not. It happens, obviously. And the problem is these people, you know, unfortunately really just can't make their ends meet. And unfortunately that affects medicines and quality of life and food, basics. So if they have the home, they can access the money by all means. I hope they do it. 
Very good. Okay, we're going to take a break. This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Vivian Gaspar. She's the author of a book called Stop My Crisis, Facing Life's Challenges Head-On. And her website is stopmycrisis.com. We'll be back after this. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. How can we Americans realize our dreams to earn a living? How can you pursue your dream and make money as an owner or an employee? Learn how at The American Business Person, the online weekly radio talk show hosted by Rich Killian. Today's business leaders share how to succeed and what fails. If you own a new or established business or ever hope to, you must tune in. Join us every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Central, and noon Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Or listen on demand to our archived shows. Are you looking for innovative ideas on how to achieve your financial dreams? Tune in to Empirical Investing Radio every Thursday afternoon at 2 Pacific, 5 Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Join certified financial planners Ken Smith and Ethan Broga to learn how you can obtain financial success. You'll be entertained while you discover techniques to alleviate your financial concerns. Empirical Investing Radio every Thursday at 2 Pacific, 5 Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. the market's up or down or if you're looking to improve your portfolio our experts are ready to talk to you call now toll free 866-472-5790 that's 866-472-5790 voice america business network You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Vivian Gaspar. Uh, she's come out with a book called Stop My Crisis, Facing Life Challenges Head On. Welcome back to the show, Vivian. Hi, Jordan. We got a lot more topics to cover quickly here. Uh, you've got one on bankruptcy, uh, understanding the basics. What is just maybe one thing people should know about bankruptcy that they tend not to realize? Number one, it's federal laws. You need to know that it's not state by state. There's no longer the negative stigma, and even wealthy people use it as a tool. And uh, understanding it simply means less stress if you're willing to do it and that you could stay in your primary residence most of the time. Okay, you also have a little short chapter on veterans. What kind of programs are there to help veterans uh, with at-home assistance? Simply, it's very short, so simply knowing that it's available for your spouse and yourself, and um, it's only for certain veterans. Unfortunately, the more recent Gulf War ones uh, you know, are not normally eligible, so it's important to get that information. You okay, also have something... Vietnam. On uh, there are special education programs for students with disabilities uh, that are no cost. What what are some things that people should know about that? Uh, first and foremost, if you do not get a satisfaction from your local board of ed, there are experts who can help promote and advocate on your behalf. For example, the person who wrote my chapter on this, she's a special children's advocate who helps families when they are unable to get the help for their special needs child on their own accord. And obviously in these books, every single author is available, has their contact information by their biographies uh, in the back of the book. So you can always reach out to them via phone or email. You also say there are ways for people to get an amazing education at low to no cost. How does that work? Well, let's uh, get a little bit of uh, information that's a little detailed. So the, just the, the, the idea behind that, is there's usually a lot more, and I was actually very surprised when I got this information, a lot more grants than you'd ever imagine for anyone at any age. In other words, people usually think the stereotype is it's more scholarships, it's more this, it's more academically based, and especially it's usually only for people coming right out of high school. And the, the huge difference is it's definitely not the case. It's for people at different stages of life also, people going back to school. So there's a lot more to know. And we also provide 
contact information as to where people could research students' scholarships that you wouldn't know that normally. Great. Uh, you also talk about it when you're behind uh, with the IRS and you owe back taxes. What are some things people should know about that? Uh, definitely look into working with the IRS. Again, this is a huge area where head and sand costs a lot of money. People are normally scared to death of the IRS, so they do everything to avoid maybe putting, uh, avoid opening the mail from the IRS, and that is the single largest mistake, most common mistake you made. The best thing to do is walk into your local IRS office, sit down and work with them, and you'd be shocked how easy it is to work with them. That is really, really very important. You have a whole section here on what type of business entity you should choose between uh, Subchapter S and partnerships and limited liability corporations, C-Corps, and so on. What is a general rule of thumb in figuring out what the best business entity should be? Very simply put, there's so many nuanced differences. I really do recommend people speak to an attorney about this. It really is that important, and especially not just an attorney but a CPA. I think the biggest mistake people make is assumptions. Don't assume anything because this, again, can really hurt you. You have a chapter also on medical care discount plans. What should people know about that? Very big, very, very big. There's actually, and it's only, it depends on what part of the country. Uh, I'm not going to say it's for everywhere, but to look into the discount plans because the sad truth is that when you go to your doctor's office or anything medical, they don't, it's like uh, going to um, someplace that's hiding the cost. I mean, you don't know what a regular visit is unless you ask. It's not posted anywhere. I mean, I've never yet seen someplace where they post expenses. So to get a unified medical care discount plan, it discounts anywhere between 20 and up to 65 to 80 percent, depending on what it is, like an MRI, medical, dental. If you can't afford health insurance, uh, simply put, this is a very uh, good alternative to that. In about a minute or so we have left, why don't you just kind of sum up the kind of difference it would make in people's lives to deal with the crises the way you've been talking about as opposed to what people normally do? Simply, if you're stopping the compounding effect. The snowball gets huge. It's lowering the amount of different areas it reaches into your life, your family's life. And we all know um, that money is the largest reason for divorce if you're married. And you know what? If you could do anything to try to prevent that by minimizing the multiplying efforts that a hardship can bring to your family, that is always worth doing. Simply put, help to keep the family together at any cost is always worth it, and that brings back the multiplying efforts. That is why in this book alone I have 24 different chapters covered, all of them by local professionals where you have the phone numbers, and I do provide consultations available at the same website, stopmycrisis.com. Terrific. My guest has been Vivian Gaspar. Her book is called Stop My Crisis, Facing Life's Challenges Head On. And certainly easier to do these what she's talking about and facing these things instead of, as she said, put your head in the sand and hope they'll somehow go away because that's not going to work. So, again, you can find out more about it at her website, stopmycrisis.com. Thanks so much for being a, sh- a guest on The Money Answer Show, Vivian. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Thanks again, and we'll be back again next week with another edition of The Money Answer Show. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.